Okay. Welcome back to Gregorian Rant. Are you going to say it? I want to say it so bad. Go ahead and say it. And we're off. Okay. That one's for My wife made fun of me. I was just telling Father Brian, my wife made fun of me because that's my like awkward go-to intro. Every time I've started to notice, I go, and we're off. And now I'm starting to realize it. Who was telling me, oh, some of my old Bible study guys from college days, they were like, you don't really rant. They're like, you're too nice. Oh. So we need to like challenge. Accepted. We need to be less nice today. Okay. Well, I'm I'm okay with that. You don't have to with hit your this, microphone. I know. I'm just now. I'm going for it. Yeah. With this topic, <laughs> I'm ready to. You can just hit your microphone. That's Anger. Right. Angry. It just, it just, I do have anger <laughs> issues. I actually really don't think you do, but but if you did, you're you'd be a scary guy if you did have anger issues. I kind of always been like, especially in college, it was always like the sleeping bear. Even when I played football. It was like, okay, I really, nothing really bugs me yeah. until it bugs me. Until it bugs you. And then there's no, there's no coming back. It's not good. It's like a line's crossed. That's right. And you don't want to cross that mm-hmm. line. I was hibernating and now I'm awake. Yeah. Well, I'm kinda, I woke up too early. See, I don't, I don't explode at people. I implode. <laughs> totally. And so like, like I would like the companions, I'd be like, man, I'm so, guys, I'm so sorry I blew up like that. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> They're like, why well, can you just, you just imploded. <laughs> we haven't actually seen you for four weeks. I know that's my point. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's kind of what happens with yeah. me. Yeah, it's true. I love it. Okay. It's true. Well, and we're off. Uh, I kind of feel like just jumping into it. Yeah, we can do that. Because especially, I feel like we've had a few episodes now where I've just been more confused than ever as far as. Gomez versus Supich and the, what the church is doing versus the Pope and all this kind of stuff. Right. And now I need you to help me understand. Because again, I'm not, I was not made aware of this when it first started to happen about a year or two ago. Yeah. But what in the world is happening in Germany? Yeah. I need you to give me a quick recap <clears throat> on it, help everyone kind of understand. Because I'm still trying to wrap my head around some of it. But again, it it's just so mind boggling that what is being done in Germany is actually happening. Yeah. So if you're, if you're not aware of this, um, what Patrick is talking about is not like the formation of the nation of Germany or Angela Merkel. I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> Do you know who that is? No, I have no idea Come on, you know, uh, I think you say it that way. Angela, Angela Merkel. She was the chancellor of Germany. I think she still is. Nope. Okay. Well, anyway, we're not talking about her. Uh-uh. Uh, What's going on, though, is that there's a synod happening with the German bishops right now. And they are, it's been ongoing. And if you remember back to the Amazon synod that happened in Rome, where they were talking about uh, the shortage of priests in the Amazon and uh, all kinds of like environmental issues and different things, it was pretty controversial. Uh, The German bishops had one going on. And the Amazon synod kind of took a lot of the headlines. But some voices out there were saying actually the German Senate is the one that's much more worrisome uh, and troublesome. And so what's happening is uh, the church in Germany convened a synod, a council of sorts. And they have bishops there. <clears throat> they have lay leaders. They have just different people in the church. I always laugh. The, the guy who was the head of it up until the end of 2020 is named Cardinal Marx. Rough. There's a guy. Did you know there's? Did you know there's a guy named Cardinal Sin? No. Yeah, there is. There's a Cardinal Sin. Where's he Sin. from? I, I forget, but I'm like that's just an unfortunate. Which out of Chicago was Supich? Don't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> cardinal I, I Sin, <laughs> and that guy's mom is like, oh man, I didn't think he was gonna be a cardinal. Yeah, you know? yeah, really backfired yeah, on that, that one. one yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think it's his, it's his last time. I don't think it's his first. A lot time. of choice, but anyway, so the church in Germany is a Cardinal Marx. He's kind of a provocative figure. He's been very influential with Pope Francis. I don't really stay up on church politics that much. I know a little bit more about it these days, but uh, the church in Germany started this council and has been really controversial because they're they're making assertions right now, such as uh, the main problem, I think, is there's two problems. Let's say it that way. One is that is the content of what they're talking about. So it's nothing new. It's kind of the old like progressive thing. We're going to ordain women. We're going to allow married priests um, and things like that. They're going to change sexual ethics. They're talking about, you know, getting rid of some of the, the harder church teachings around sexual morality. 
but the, none of that's new, right? I'm like, kind of like left-leaning Catholics are always trying to change church teaching on that. It doesn't ever seem to work. Um, some of us think that's because of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but what's controversial here is that the German bishops are saying that what they decide as a group is binding for German Catholics, even if it contradicts church teaching. Seems like a slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a... It's kind of a dangerous thing, and it's uh, and people are waiting to see what is the Vatican going to say, how are they going to respond, and it does touch on some really important issues that I think could be interesting for folks out there, uh, because whenever someone does something that is really contrary to church teaching, uh, I think a good question is what's the good? You know, we've yeah. talked about that before. What's the good they're looking for? What are they frustrated about? And there's a, there's a lot of good questions around why are the German bishops going crazy? Okay, I got one. I want to take a step back, and I don't know how much you can actually weigh in on this, but an observation. Are you going to comment on my baby bump? Weigh. <laughs> Is that You're your right, observation? You just got off that bike ride. Uh, no, that's Wait, not you it. To, you got to explain that really quick, though. The video game? The baby bump. Patrick did a bike ride that was designed for pregnant women. That's right. Okay. Called the baby bump. It was yeah. A, it was a workout. <laughs> On this app we use called Zwift. Zwift is amazing. I highly recommend it. But I had a killer workout today. It was a half hour, cranked it out, trying to fight the priest bod. And, uh, and I was like, one. yeah, I just, I just did the baby bump. I chose a workout program that the, the actual title was called Baby Bump. And I started to look at it and I was like, well, clearly I don't want to do that one. But then I actually noticed that the workouts were pretty intense. And you could crank up the intensity on it. But the tough part was, one, I had to go over the fact that I'm doing a workout designed for pregnant women, but all of a sudden the intensity became so high that I was like, wow, this is actually a phenomenal workout. Yeah, the, dude, those pregnant women, they tough. get after it. They get after it. But what happens on the video game is it will pop up with comments by the person who designed it. Yeah. And as I'm writing, it's like, Reminder, turn your fan on. It's bad for the baby if you're overheating. <laughs> Don't sweat. If you start to break a sweat, turn or re- turn the resistance down. And, and I bet you were sweating pretty good. I was sweating good. And yeah. then uh, the best one was like about three quarters of the way through. They're like, fl- tip for pregnancy. Flip over the handlebars to allow more space. Because you know like on road bikes, you're pretty like low to the ground. It's pretty right. flat back. Yep. And if you flip your handlebar, I get what they're saying. It's pretty good. But it's then it props solution. you up a little bit and it gives you room for your baby. Yep. But I'm sitting there just like getting beat up. I'm, I'm literally dying in this video game. And then I'm getting beat up with these comments that are like yeah. designed for a mom that's like eight months pregnant. And I was like, oh, it's just so. It is amazing though that computer can motivate you. Oh, yeah. I was in that today and the, the the line comes up on the screen and they're like, don't give up. Like, like you've got it. You've got this, you know? And, and I'm like, no, I don't. Like, I'm a priest. Like, I got, I've got the slow but inevitable slide into irrelevancy and obesity is is picking up steam here and you know <laughs> i had one though god now we're really down this time good thing we kicked out some of the intro but i had one where my timing was off yeah and it was really frustrating because it would be like 20 seconds left but there was really like 35 seconds left so it was like a, a miscue it's like when you watch the watch tv and like the voice is off from the lips yeah, it's kind of what it was. So it was like telling me I was done, but I'm not actually done. And the resistance was still really hard. I was getting so frustrated. That is frustrating. <sighs> kind of like I am with Germany. Sorry, yeah, that was a total. Anyways, detour. baby bumps. Uh, you were going to make an observation. I was observation. Weigh in if you can. Okay. Um, why? And you said you don't really stay into the stay up on the politics of everything, but. Marx, as you alluded to and what I was kind of reading, is kind of one of, you know, at least close enough to Francis. Sure. But it kind of seems like anytime you're associated with Francis and being in his inner circle, it's not like compared to traditional church thinking. Yeah. It's not it's not a great circle to be in. It seems, I mean, from a lot of like where we're at today in our kind of circles, we I mean, we tend, I would tend to agree with that. Um, it's tough. I mean, part of the thing that we do is we, 
I think I think whenever again when we disagree with someone, we should try to look at what's good and what they're doing. Right. And one of the things we do as American Catholics is we think the church is America. Right. And I was talking to somebody recently about this that um, I love our country, um, but like a lot of Catholics right now are caught up in these like they're tying like revelation and the end of the world to American politics, and it's kind of uh, egocentric. The church is a lot bigger than American Catholicism. Right. And, you know, I'm not, I, I'm worried about some of the things President Biden is doing and some of the, the, the policies he has. But the church has a long history. And I think one of the things that happens is we're very tempted to, to take our experience and say, this is everything. Yep. And we need to be careful about that. And I do think it's important for us to say, uh, these people live in a different place and to try to understand where they're coming from. And, you know, one of the things I think that's really interesting is uh, certain parts of the church, Europe has become kind of post-Christian and you have these, these German bishops operating in that kind of world. And they think they're, they're kind of like enlightened post-Christian. I mean, and they're, they're Christians. I'm not saying they're not, but they live in that society and they're very progressive Right, they want to say, yeah. well, you know, women's ordination is something we can change, and we we can talk about why that's a problem. We don't have the authority to change that. John Paul II uh, defined that officially in 1994, and all he was doing was saying what the church has always said. But, um, but I do think we need to look at the church as bigger than ourselves. We need to see what's out there. And one of the problems with Europe sometimes is the church is a lot bigger than Europe, yeah. and Europe's on the decline in its Christian faith. But places like Africa are exploding. And if you talk to African Christians, they tend to be very orthodox. They believe what the church teaches and has always taught. And they're not interested in women's ordination and declaring sexual immorality to all of a sudden be okay. They're not all right with that. Um, and it's just it's interesting the voices that, that we listen to and the ones that we kind of don't. When you say sexual immorality is okay, what does that mean? Did you just quote me as saying sexual immorality is okay? <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Don't but no, that. but it was also yeah. something I was watching, and there, people are diving into that, yeah. kind of alluding to some of that stuff, so, but to clarify. Yeah, so in the, in the New Testament, um, so in the moral codes of the New Testament, Paul uses the, the phrase, or just the word immorality a lot. I think we talked about this on a, another podcast but, uh, for instance, in Galatians 5 um, and 1 Corinthians 6, other places, St. Paul will talk about, he'll say immorality, but it's all over the place. And immorality, it, the word for that is porneia. That's right. And it almost always means sexual immorality. That, that really is what the word means. Um, and so Paul has a very big polemic about um, he, and this is another topic, but basically... There's voices in the world today, right? Post-sexual revolution. Yeah. We live in a different time, and, and people forget this, that uh, for us, all these things that seem very normal are very new if you really have a long view of history. And so contraception, for instance, when I talk about contraception with folks, one of the things I like to say to them is for us, it's like we're so used to this is just the norm. Right. And it's kind of I say it's kind of like cell phones, right? If you talk to a kid and they're like, what do you mean you didn't have a cell phone when you were a kid? And they think it's like, that's insane. Well, cell phones came on the scene about three seconds ago. Yeah. And contraception's really the same. Uh, but we, we get so caught up with what's normal to us now that we don't take the long view. And so anyway, post-sexual revolution, people are, it's very popular right now to say, well, it's not a big, it's just sex. Yeah. Right, like that uh, Bloodhound Gang song. Right. But it's people just think, oh, what's the big deal? Just get over it. It's not a big deal. Stop making a big deal out of this. Well, the New Testament makes a big deal out of it. And traditionally, uh, there's a very good reason why the church holds <clears throat> these things to be sacred in their proper context. And so, so anyway, uh, the German bishops are kind of saying, we're kind of past that, you know. Uh, we need to listen to the voice of the spirit now and not just be trapped in the, in what the past has said. Gosh. Okay. <laughs> so much to dive into on that. What are, what would you say are like the, th the main talking points though? 
of what they're kind of like really trying to dive into. Obviously, like to that, but so what the, else are they? So women's ordination is a big one. Okay. Married priests, uh, and, and you know, again, like for a lot of people out there, this is a these are. And, and I, I actually would say they are legitimate questions. Yeah. And when John Paul, for instance, when, when John Paul II, in fact, I had so a quick story. So I anointed someone the other day. Um, oh, this is different. But th- this is, I was talking to someone after church. That's what this was. And um, one of the things this guy brought up is he said, I just don't understand why the church doesn't allow a stronger voice for women. And, and honestly, like, I'm much more sympathetic to that perspective than I probably used to be. Um, but that's not the same thing as, as holy orders, as yeah. someone being ordained a deacon or a priest. And there's lots of studies on this. Um, the, and we can go down this road. That's not where I was thinking we would go, but whatever. This is kind of fun. The, um, the New Testament speaks of deaconesses. So, f- so that word is used in the New Testament for females in the feminine form. Um, and so a lot of people are like, you know, even, even biblical revelation would say there should be women deacons. And the problem with that, do you know what the word deacon means? Nope. So, so deacon means, in, in of course, it's a Greek word, Deacon means servant in Greek. Okay. Um, and when it's uh, put into an, uh, um, another form of it, diakonia, um, it means ministry. Okay. And so Paul will talk about the ministry that he's been given. Um, but, but deacon means servant. And so um, part of the problem with this is that words have a, a life to them and they change with time. And so in the early church, like in the New Testament, there are uh, there are the orders. There are priests, bishops, and deacons. And it's clear, for instance, in like First and Second Timothy and Titus, especially those two talk talk very explicitly about orders of bishops and of deacons. Mm-hmm. And the priests are there too, but the uh, the word for priest in Greek is uh, presbyter. Well, it's, it means elder technically. And this, I'm getting in the weeds here, but presbyter is where Presbyterians get their name. Got it. And so it means elder in Greek because it's related to the word for gray. So like you have gray hair, so you're an elder. Um, But what happens is, so deacons are named as part of the ministry of the New Testament, and so are bishops, and so are priests. Um, But the language in the early church is not settled yet. And so the word deacon in Greek just means a servant. And so sometimes in the New Testament, that word is used formally, like in, in Acts chapter 1, um, or in the beginning of Acts, where they, they elect deacons. I forget which chapter that is. But anyway, they, they elect the, the uh, deacons of the church, seven deacons, and Stephen's among them. Uh, I think that's Acts chapter 7. And what happens, though, is that word still just means servant. Okay. So when there's female deacons, there's tons of studies that have been done on this, uh, and it's still controversial. But w- there's strong evidence that what happened, what that word was used for in the church when it's used for females, is in the early church you were baptized usually full immersion. And so you stripped off all your clothes. And so if you go read, by the way, uh, like Colossians 2 and 3, St. Paul uses this imagery for baptism and for the Christian life. And so what happens is, if you were getting baptized, Patrick, you would strip naked. And what that's part of what that symbolizes that is that your old life is now left behind you. Right. The way that you live when you live like everybody else, you left that behind. And then you went full immersion into the waters and you were baptized by the priest or the deacon in the waters. And then when you came out the other side, you put on a white robe. And so Paul, uh, I love this in Colossians three, he'll, he's using that imagery imagery and he's saying, so then because this happened, now it has to be real in your life. You have to put off the old man with his practices and you have to put on the new man uh, because you were baptized into Christ. So when that happens with a woman though, right, for us men, 
it's probably not a good idea for us to be around when the women are stripped, stripped naked. Right. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of studies that show really that, that the early church, when it talks about deaconesses, that they're, this is what it was. It was women who helped in that sacrament of baptism and they helped prepare the women. They, un- they helped them undress. The priests would come in and the, the early church was very modest. It was very careful about chastity and modesty as we all should be still. And uh, so the priests weren't there when the women disrobed, so to speak. And that's where that word comes from. And with time, the word became more and more clearly just reserved for an official ordained ministry. Um, so anyway, that's that, that's one of but some but people on the other side would say, no, like this is broader than that. Like they were just like the male deacons we have at church now. Um, I haven't seen a lot of good evidence for that, and I. I, I don't understand. I don't see the theology of that. I think, I think what it's doing is it's taking a modern idea of equality between men and women means that we have to do the same thing. Right. I was going to ask that. Do you think, or do you know of any time mother Teresa ever was questioned on this? Like, I feel like people that are so entrenched in a certain realm really kind of understand it and aren't this, that's like, no, this was my role in this. And, pretty adamant in their stance of like for her, the sisterhood and all that kind of stuff. Um, do you think she would have ever come out and said, I should be a deacon or I want to be a priest? No, of course not. Right. Yeah. Of course. I, not. I feel like it, it very much is kind of like, it feels like the people who aren't necessarily fully involved have opinions cause they're trying to push like the equality or something and they, they'll never really be involved. Like yeah. I don't really envision and again, correct me if I'm wrong though, but like in like allowing women to become priests or deacons or whatever, wouldn't, I don't know if that would necessarily solve all the vocation mm-hmm. issues. I don't think we'd see a huge influx of priests now that we encompass women. Yeah. Cause I kind of feel like even on the flip side, like the sisterhood or becoming a nun or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, is, consecrated life. Consecrated life is down as well. Like it's not like it's yeah. like flir- all fields are flourishing except for the priesthood, so I don't I don't know. It just kind of seems well, like I think a push. It's just the wrong read on things, and yeah. so so the church understands the modern the way I would say is the modern world doesn't know where to put a person's dignity, and so where we put a person's dignity because we don't know where to put it. Where does a person's dignity come from? And the the, the modern world doesn't know, and so you know where they put it and what you can do. And this is why, like, for instance, uh, if we, this is why we're saying like, hey, you know what, if you're in a, um, if you have a major disability at the end of your life, we should allow the people to kill themselves because you're not right. worth much anymore. Right. And it's actually, it's actually kind of consistent. And it's the same reason why, for instance, in abortion, uh, there's a massive genocide happening where children who are, they're testing, right, for trisomy 23 for Down syndrome. Yep. And children who have uh, that um, developmental disability are being aborted. And like there's, there's certain countries where there's no people, there's no one with Down syndrome anymore. Like in, I think it's in Sweden or Denmark. And, and I think behind this is we don't know where to put a person's dignity. So we put it in what they can do. So if you're not good at things, if you can't do things, your life just isn't valuable. Totally. And so women... To come back to this, this is a great this Sunday, this past Sunday, the second reading, the context was all about this. So when this conversation about women in ministry happens, it's not that women couldn't do a great job in ministry. Of course they could. Right. Right? Like, believe me, I've heard so many bad homilies in my time. And like and I've also met so many priests who don't seem to have a compassionate bone in their body. Yeah. I'm like, there's of course women can do that. Of course they can. Of course there are so many women out there who could give way better homilies than I could. Um, the problem is is that dignity in the church and equality is not about what you do. right? It's, that, that, that's not where it comes from. It comes from us being made in the image and likeness of God. And male and female have complementary roles. Yep. Um, but I think it leads to, to part of what we want. Oh, and I do want to mention, so 1 Corinthians 9 this past Sunday 
Paul, it's so beautiful. So whenever this conversation happens about women in ministry, the, the question behind the question, and I love this, is always about power. Right. And, and, here's, and, it, and it is a conversation that we need to have because too many priests and bishops are too caught up in power. That's a problem. And I would actually say these bishops in Germany, like there's an interesting thing because I don't know if they want more power. It kind of looks like it. But I do think there's a legitimate question of uh, the, the papacy and how it interacts with bishops. I think that's a very important question. And it mirrors the question of, and that's kind of what I wanted to get to today is like, what is the church and how do people who have authority in the church, how are they called to exercise that authority? Yeah. Uh, what's our understanding of that? And I, so, so what I would say is that like, so in First Corinthians 9, in chapter 8 and all through 1 Corinthians, actually. What Paul is doing is one of his big lines is that he talks about rights a lot. And he says, you know, people have the right to this and they have the right to that. And the Corinthians are, the, the faithful Corinthians who are more mature and they actually know more of like what the gospel is about. In 1 Corinthians, they're saying, I have a right to eat meat. There's nothing wrong with eating meat that's been sacrificed to a pagan idol because there's only one God, so it's just a, it's just a steak, right? I know that's I know that that cow was sacrificed to Apollo, but it's just a steak, and I can eat steak. There's nothing wrong with that. And Paul says you're right, you are correct, but he says the measure of a Christian shouldn't be what is my right, but how do I love? Mm-hmm. And it's a and then he goes into in chapter nine and he talks about how he, Paul has all of these rights, but he has not exercised any of them. Because his life and the life of a Christian and what Jesus did, right? Jesus didn't talk about his rights. Jesus, you know, didn't say, you know, I have a right not to suffer. I have a right Right. not to be misunderstood. (laughs) Paul's trying to get them to think like Christ. And he's saying, if you're emphasizing your rights, and those have a role, of course. But if you're you're emphasizing those, you tend not to be thinking the way Jesus thinks, which is how do I serve? How do I lose my life? How do I take the last place? Totally. Isn't that interesting? That's yeah. Um, gosh, when you were talking, somewhat on the same page slash previous podcast. But do you think Jesus would have been canceled for calling his mother woman? <laughs> yes. When we're talking about equality and all that kind of stuff, I, I don't know. I just was thinking about that. With like, I I definitely think. If that was this day and age, it would have been a tough sell for a lot well, of people. Yeah, it would be. But he that's also the context there is yeah. key because he's not he's not being disrespectful to me. Totally. Um, but I, John I, mean, I feel like John things get thrown too. out out of proportion. Anyways, I, one of the other ones, I correct me if I'm wrong, if they're kind of talking about it too, though, is like that kind of congregations, parishioners, all that stuff can kind of determine placement of yeah, that's priests a big point. in yep. the German uh, scenario. So help me understand that because I think that is a good question. I think one of the ones that have I sympathize with that yeah. one when I started to kind of briefly touch on it, but I'd love your yeah. explanation of it is like here at Lords, you're here for six years and you could be renewed one more time. So if you could be here for 12 years, in some rare cases, you sure. could be here and that's not just for you. That's for anyone in the Archdiocese of Denver. Um, but you basically more or less have a max of 12 years. That's right, yeah. Which, let me call a spade a spade, is a total bummer in my world. I thought you were going to say a different B word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, yeah. I it bums me out. Like yeah. you know, And I, I would have a lot of just questions in regards to that of like I feel like that in general – would make it tough. And, and again, what you've accomplished here at Lords is not you by any means, but I feel like that concept as on whole, if you know, you have a shelf life somewhere and, and you're going to have to go somewhere else to start back over. And that's 12 years later or six or whatever it's going to be. I, I don't really necessarily see how that produces the best out of parishioners and the priest. I feel like you get assigned somewhere and you're like, yeah, I'm here yeah. for six years. Like how hard do I really want to go? When I could totally revolutionize this thing and then dump it off to someone else. It'd be like saying you're going to be CEO for six years. Here's your business. Go run it. And you're kind of like, 
Yeah. Kind of, I guess I, I also kind of wonder that with uh, what what was it called every forty years where you would basically give up your riches and start over. You mean the Jubilee 50 years. Jubilee 50 years. Yeah, 50 years. Kind of the same thing where you're just like, I'm going to kind of just coast. Yeah. Like, like why would I go and try to be an overachiever? Yeah, if there's three years till the 50th year. What do you, yeah, why do yeah. it, right? So I, I kind of get the point of like why, in my opinion, why you would want to examine that. But what's your what are your thoughts on that? So I think, so there's a whole bunch of stuff here. But this is, this is these are good questions. So... I think what it goes down to a lot too is what is the church and is it, and, and in my mind, so like the election of, of priests, so they are the, the synod in Germany. One of the things they're kind of talking about is congregations should, should be able to like elect who they want to be their pastor. And, uh, I think with bishops as well and these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and this is a great question. Um, and, it reminded me, let's see the good in it. I think, because ultimately, you know, when I say, let's see the good in that, that means I'm going to come down on the other side. <laughs> but I think there is, there's nothing really good here. And the good is, so shout out to uh, Carly in RCIA. Yep. She was talking about her brother, I believe it is, who's a really devout Christian and sounds like who's someone who really, really loves Jesus and is really following him. And if I understood her right, she was talking about how, uh, there's kind of this attitude of like the early church was house churches and it didn't, it didn't become this big institution. It, it was people together, loving God, listening to the Holy spirit. And, and eventually it grew into this big institution and that's not what it's about. It's about the small kind of house church kind of thing. Is that true though? I'm just thinking like all your discussions on like architectural weren't cities designed around a church. If I think about these churches, I look, you know, all these cathedrals around the world, that are very old were pretty big. They are, but that's later. He has a, he has a point there. Interesting. So, like, so that's only after Christianity has conquered the Roman empire. Okay. And you get into the middle ages. Okay. Those are, so the, the churches we look at as super old or like if they're a thousand years old, that's super, super old, but that's a thousand years after Jesus. That's right. right? Okay. So the earliest right, churches, fine. Touché. Yeah. Sorry. Gosh. The earliest we're talking about like end of the first century into the second century. Those kind of churches were house churches. Got it. So Paul's, so Father John Nepple always says, Lords, here at Lords, my congregation, he's like, he's like, Larkin, you realize that your your church is bigger than St. Augustine's entire diocese? I'm like, man, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> no, I don't say that. <laughs> For so five more years. Yeah, so that's like, but the point I want to get to is like, so the good there, and this is important, like with the bishops and with priests and what this gets to Bishops and priests are not the church. Right. They are, but they are an essential uh, aspect of the church instituted by Christ himself that you can't just kind of change and get rid of. Yep. And we've got to live in that tension. So I think the good that they're seeing, and I will say this, I'm like, there are bishops and priests out there who just act like kings. Totally. And some people, I mean, hopefully I'm not guilty of that. I probably am in some ways. But it's a fine line to walk priests and bishops have especially bishops have legitimate authority given to them by jesus christ but the new testament teaching on this is that and what jesus says to the apostles when he talks about authority um like in john chapter 10 he says uh, you know how the gentiles exercise authority right like those who have position in secular world they make their authority felt and they lord it over others. We've all had a boss like that. Don't look at me. <laughs> who is like, who just is like a jerk. And is like, yeah, I know that you're working a lot harder than me, but I don't care. Go get me lunch. Right. I'm in charge. And Jesus says, you know, that's how it works out in the world. But he looks at the apostles and I love this. And he says, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be first among you will be last and whoever would be at the head of you will become as the slave of all. And the pattern here, and this is, I think this is what, the, what I want to see as good in the German council is like, because I, I ultimately disagree with a lot of what it's saying, because you can't change Jesus's teachings. Right. But I think there is a legitimate question right now of, um, for us who are priests and those who are bishops, our position exists, we are slaves of the church. 
We are there to serve and to love. This and and we are missing a little bit of that ethos. Not everywhere, but in certain sectors, I, I see this. Is that we need to be people who say, "I am a servant. I was not ordained for people to serve me. I was ordained to serve others." Can I tell you one more story about that? Yeah, please. Just thought of uh, Goble, Father Nathan Goble has a great story about this. He one Sunday, this is the gospel reading. Um, in John 10, where it says, uh, uh, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I'm probably gonna tell the story wrong, but his deacon got up and read it wrong. It's it's a tongue twister a little bit. And so he said, you know, the son of man came, uh, not to serve, but to be served. (laughs) And so Goble after that mass was like, Hey, I know it's a little tricky, but like you got that wrong. Like, Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So the deacon's really like, okay, I got to get this right. And he goes and he reads it and he, get, and he gets up again and he says, he gets that part right, I think. And he says, so the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. But then he said, and to give his life as a ransom for money. <laughs> <laughs> just butchered all the wrong parts. Yeah, just hilarious. I could only see Father Nathan. I wish I could see him in that. Yeah, I can't imagine he was happy. <laughs> yeah, but but that's it is. But 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 this is, I think, one of the things that's so important is that the the priests in the hierarchy of the church they have legitimate authority, but it's an authority of service. We are meant. Our authority is meant to be very much like Ephesians five when it talks about the authority of a husband. The authority of the husband is real but it's there to serve his wife. Yeah. And he, what he's called to do is to lay his life down and sacrifice his life for, for his bride. And priests are supposed to be that. And so so I think one of the things that needs to happen is we need I think we need to talk about how do bishops and priests and the papacy even and I think Pope Francis on this note has been very good. How do we really understand ourselves to have the mind of Jesus? who did not, Jesus didn't come to just be this tyrant and just yell at people and boss them around. But he did have authority when he taught. He taught the truth. He didn't waver on that. He had legitimate, you know, authority. He's God. And he laid his life down. Yeah. And I think right now there's, there's a, that's a dynamic in the church that needs some work. We need, we need bishops and priests not to operate as independent operators at the same time, the problem that's happening in Germany is they're saying we can change the teachings of Jesus Christ in the church. That's the problem in Germany. You have no, you can't do that. Right. Which I think is the most frustrating part, though, going back to the last couple episodes. But like you pointed out, JP2 in 94, mm-hmm. he came out and made a firm stance. But you were also clear in saying he made a firm stance publicly yep. of what the church is teaching. He exactly. didn't revolutionize something. He just clarified exactly what Jesus intended. Right. And now though, it's for me, it's frustrating that at the Bishop level, this isn't just like the local priest in some small town in Germany. This is the bishops getting together, having a council debating these things that should be mute points. Like I feel like once you reach that level, it should be like, okay, now how do we, how do we explain what the church is teaching? Not debating at that point right it's like how do you reach that that you know a black belt but still have like those are good questions to ask for yeah. my level of like why why do you have to leave in six years and then most of the time like always yeah. you just kind of drop some knowledge bomb on me and i'm like ah okay that makes a lot of sense well and that kind of stuff could change right like the like it doesn't have to be a 12-year term for a pastor right that can totally change that's legitimate and i think those are those are things to have conversations about it's fine and a lot of this is like, how do we preserve what Jesus taught? Because we're not God. Right. We can't change. And there are things that Jesus taught that are unchanging, but there's also applications. And it has to be um, one of the books I'm listening to, my first audio book, a guy named Scott McKnight. Um, he's a scripture scholar. He's very good. He's not Catholic. He's an Anglican. Um, but he wrote a book. It's kind of about this topic of how do we live what the Bible teaches in a full sense in 2021 in America. So you read a little book called the blue parakeet. It's pretty interesting, but in the point, the questions he's asking very much point to 
what I think is a very Catholic position. Um, so I think, I think the thing is, is that like the church is not the bishops, but the bishops have legitimate authority and there's a tension there. And so, yeah. so with Germany, right? Like really quick, I think it might be helpful to go back to Carly's brother. Um, Pope Benedict says a great thing here where he says there can be an idea. And I think this is a little bit of the German idea right now of like, we got to have everybody having a voice and they're, they're talking about democracy in the church, but the church isn't a democracy. And Pope Benedict has this great line where he says, and I think there's two points to this. He says, uh, he's talking about Pentecost in Acts chapter two. And he says, an amazing thing happens in Acts chapter two. Acts, Pentecost is the birthday of the church. And, you know, some people out there talk about the house church and like the church kind of grew and eventually became this big thing, which is partially true. That is true. But what Pope Benedict says, and there's this great book called Called to Communion. I have it out here. Um, Called to Communion by Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. But one of the things he says in that book is he says on Pentecost, the day of the church's birth, she was, she, she was already universal. She was already Catholic. So what he means by that is that the church didn't start off with this little, little small group, grow and convert people, grow and convert people, grow and convert people, and then eventually become this worldwide phenomenon. Right. On, on, the, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the birthday of the church, every nation on earth is gathered in Jerusalem, and Luke tells us that. And the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they all hear the apostles in their own language. And so from the very moment the church starts, she speaks all languages. She is universal from the moment of her birth. Wow. And so the reason this relates to this is that uh, we have to understand the church is not something that we create. It's something that God did. And so Benedict is going to push back and say, the authority of bishops and priests is very related to this. It's not the congregation reaching up to God that we get better and better and we make good decisions and democratically we kind of achieve something. Um, the priesthood and the, the church herself is a gift from heaven. And, and that's why we can't just have this democracy of everything. Um, the second piece, I think, though, and this, this is where I think there's... I don't know if the German bishops are asking this. By the way, if you want to hear more about this topic from just a news perspective, um, but a really intelligent one, I want to recommend The Pillar, pillarcatholic.com, I think it is. I believe so. J.D. Flynn for the win. J.D. Flynn for the win. He's great. He's a really intelligent voice in the church right now. Uh, and just, just a very good Catholic. Um, but I really appreciate his perspective. But he started this thing called The Pillar with Ed Condon, I think is how you say his name. So they have all the news on this and you can learn all about it through the pillar. Um, but the second thing I would say is, so so there are some things that are fixed. We, we don't have, if you're going to be a Christian, Jesus is Lord, not you. There are things that he established and in some ways the priesthood is a symbol of that. We do not come to truth by majority vote, right? Like right. if we did, we would have voted for contraception and, every, and you know, that would be church teaching now. Uh, and we would we would have gotten rid of a lot of Jesus's teachings because they're difficult. So truth is not achieved by majority popular opinion. But I love what, what Scott McKnight says in this book is we have to listen to the past and we have to be obedient to the teachings of Jesus. But that doesn't absolve us from listening to the Spirit of God right now. And that doesn't mean you know, oh God's Spirit told me that it's okay to have an affair. Right? Like yeah. You, yeah. You can't have that. But, but the spirit, we have to be mature Christians who listen for God's spirit and listen to the scriptures and turn to it and let it guide us and kind of transform us. And when we do that, the, the gospel is a living thing that lives in our time. You can't change teachings, but it becomes enfleshed. Which I feel like are points. <sighs> It, that is interesting when we've talked about, you know, what the church taught versus what we know now about suicide and mental health. Right. And where and the that, principle didn't change. Correct. Yeah. And, um, you know, it is something, especially in the, like the medical field. I feel like that stuff, that's a 
podcast we definitely at some point need to talk about. But as things have progressed, it wasn't an option 2,000 years ago. Right. You know, IVF and all these things and certain medications and can I get the vaccine and, and things that are really becoming complicated now as technology and as we progress really kind of start to blur the lines. It seems like it could blur yeah. the lines in a lot of the teaching. Yeah. So I guess, is that the point where you're then trying to be more aware than ever of the living spirit? Absolutely. And we, and so I think, so it's so a part of the reason we're Catholic, right? One of the biggest reasons I'm a Catholic, the Bible is not a manual of here's what you need to know about everything that exists. Yeah. That's it, the catechism. <laughs> It seems like that, doesn't it? That's that's bullet point two in the catechism. The if anyone point at home wants to know, catechism. yeah, that's pretty good. That was thanks. funny. You're a funny guy. Thanks, thanks. Uh, yeah, the Bible is not that, right? Um, and what Catholics understand is that God didn't just give us a book; He gave us a church, and He promised that the Spirit would guide that church. Now, I believe that. I believe that the Holy Spirit guides the church and protects her from teaching error. But the flip side, and I'm really big on this right now, this is just like a big thing for me right now, is it's, I think everybody just wants to be, they, we want automatic. We want everything just to be automatic. As long as I just believe this, it's all good. Yep. I, think, I think evangelicals do this with the Jesus prayer yeah, um, or the sinner's prayer. As long as, if I just conf, confess that I'm a sinner and I confess faith in Jesus Christ, it's all set. Yep. It's automatic. And life and Christian life doesn't work that way. Jesus calls us to follow him. N.T. Wright has a great line about that where he says a lot of denominations and different pastors, different times have said being a Christian was about this prayer or like this experience. And he said what they forgot is that following Jesus is precisely that. It's following Jesus. Totally. And you don't get to stop doing that. Like we, and so I think there's, there's a tension there where, I believe God's promises where he promised that he would protect his church till the end of time. Totally believe that. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth. And it doesn't mean that, that, that we don't have responsibility. I think the bishops, I think the priests, I think the lay people, the consecrated, all of us together, we are the body of Christ in 2021. We have a responsibility to listen to the Holy Spirit, to pray, to study, to love God. And if we do that, things are, we're going to be much more effective in the world uh, and we're going to do God's will in a way that we just wouldn't otherwise. Okay, so if Bishop Brian Larkin, living in Germany... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like smack you. That's right. I'll, I'll, I'm sure we'll sit down and talk about that one later. But if you're in Germany and you're a bishop... <clears throat> and this is being called, would you go to try to fight against it? Would you just not go because you're not on board with a lot of these discussions and yeah. your fellow bishops are proposing things? You're like, what? why are we, why are we even talking about That's it? That's a tough question. Where Would you go or would you not? Or what would you do? I probably, I want to say right now that I probably wouldn't go. And the only reason why is because the, the this meeting... Dialogue's always good. It's yeah. one of those buzzwords, you know? Totally. When I was in business school, like, like you were saying, like, let's have like some community networking. Yeah. And like a dialogue. Yeah. And those are always buzzwords. And I feel like dialogue's one of those buzzwords. Like, hey, let's have a dialogue. Um, everybody loves that word. Yeah. The problem, I think, with this synod is that it explicitly is claiming an authority that it does not have. Right. And, and so it's, it's kind of like when someone says... Um, kind of the question of like, hey, would you receive communion in a Protestant church? You're kind of like, well, I want to have a dialogue in a community networking event with my Protestant brothers and sisters. Um, love to talk to them. But there's some things where it's like, it's making a statement by what you do. Yeah. And receiving communion in a Protestant church is a big no-no for Catholics. You can't do that. Because um, it says something. It says it says it's it's saying by your reception that you're endorsing kind of that thing, and we don't believe that it's yeah. it's it's a false understanding of what the Eucharist is. So similarly, I would say with this, by showing your presence at this, right, this this synod is claiming an authority it doesn't have. 
Totally. And the, the even when you have like, and I think Pope Francis, I think we're a little bit too hard on him. Um, but in history, when you have really bad popes, they still have authority. Mm-hmm. And you can't just gather a council and declare it. Even if you had like a really, really bad pope, you can't just gather a council together and like defy him. Right. He right. still has authority. Two okay, two things. One, shout out to my wife. I I was that guy at the Protestant church, and she went with me, mm-hmm. and I I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Communion comes in like a little, uh, it looks like a coffee like creamer packet to go. Oh yeah, yeah you yeah. know what I mean, like one of the little teacup things, like the International Delight. Ones yes, exactly. Like the sugary. Delight things, yeah. Yeah. And in the bottom half, you peel it. The oh. bottom half is the blood or the wine. Okay. And then on top of it is another peel to receive. I always thought it was like you walk in, you grab yours, you're bada bing, bada boom. At some point you, you know, receive. And she, and the first time her, her and I went together, she refused to take it. And I remember thinking to myself, <laughs> you're some Catholic, you won't even receive. Right, and it became a thing I had to get whipped around on that whole thing. But she refused. So shout out to my wife on that one. Uh, Second of all, though, th- this has been going on. This this concept in Germany, if I'm correct, two years ago is kind of when it it's started. Something to, like that. I don't know the exact dates. With the, a year or two, yeah. Like, where is Fran? I haven't. Everything I've tried to read about it, like he hasn't really come down and been like, "Yeah, you got it. What are you doing? Can't happen." Like, They've been. Rome's been in dialogue. They've put out some. Francis has warned them. Okay. And said like, you know you don't have authority to do this. And there's a, again, the pillar I was reading that and they were talking about the guy who's the, I forget his name, but there's a Bishop who's the head of the congregation for legislative texts. Sounds like a job straight from H E double hockey sticks. Yeah. Most. Oh. <laughs> like, can you imagine a guy bucking for that job? He's like, no, man, I want to be the prefect for the congregation for legislative texts. Can't like, wait. Oh. Wrong field. Oh, that sounds awful. That's, that's not it. But he came out and he, and he told him too. he said, look, you, you just don't have authority to do this, right? Like think of like, if you think of a business, right? Like Amazon is an easy one. Like imagine if like some, some group got together of employees in Denver and they said, we're going to meet together and we're going to declare that our HR policy is changing. Yeah. You know, and even in Germany is kind of saying, well, maybe it's only for us in Germany. So maybe they'd say, well, for us in Denver, we're changing our HR policy. Well, you can't do that if the HR department over Amazon says, hey, you guys are our employees, you're under us. Corporate says no, it doesn't work that way. Corporate says no. That could be a great t-shirt. Corporate says no. And it's something like that right now. It's like the church, we we need to have a good conversation about, I hate that I said conversation. We need to have a great community dialogue (laughs) about this. Priests are not kings. We're not bishops. Are not kings. The Pope is not a king. I mean, they do have legitimate governing authority given by Jesus Christ, though, and so that governance, as Paul says, is not to tear down but to build up. Right. And we got we have to have that, but it, but you can't. They have legitimate authority, and so you can't. Even if your boss is a jerk, you, he what he has he has authority or she has authority. Yeah. yeah. I just wish. This is my parting words on this. I just wish, though, again, I feel like if when we break down all the points, maybe a couple, a couple of next episodes we can, but I feel like when I bring them up with you, you have logical explanations as to why the church teaches the way it does. Yep. <clears throat> and having that disconnect, again, whether it's you, they want to just say it's just in Germany, it's just us, or whatever, that one simple message reverberates on the whole world, right? Oh, like, totally and, then, is, yeah. and you know, I get on Facebook now and I lived in LA for a little bit too long. And it's like <laughs> the, the, the messaging out of that side, but the minute something gets misconstrued from like the, what's happening in Germany or what the Pope said. Yeah. And there's like the super liberal Catholics that are like, see, I told you the Pope's coming around. Here we are, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it was such a minor thing that was said but if you just, if there's just, I don't know, like I wish the Pope would have a podcast and would just clarify the yeah. church's teachings at that level of his authority right. to just clarify in a certain way, like to your point of what JP2 said, 94, like that obviously meant a lot, 
But why doesn't that happen? There's still just such that disconnect. Where I kind of like, don't know if I want Francis to have a podcast. That's true. Because I mean, every time he like, it's like every time he's interviewed, it's like he gets he either gets taken out of context or he says something that we're like, ah, Francis. It's kind of like one of his advisors has to take him out back and be like, actually, we don't teach that. Yeah. Um, well, and maybe he just needs better prep. I just wish there was like a voice, and that has been, I think, for a long time. Our, our most vocal one that we always look to is Bishop Barron. Yeah. Right. And he's doing as much as he can, but it's still not landing. And maybe Father Mike Smith's now that he has his podcast rolling out. That's number one, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's a great platform to start to do that. But I think it's that squeaky wheel coming out of Germany or coming out of the Amazon or whatever it is. Right. That, that does way more. You take two steps forward. You take a hundred steps back every time this happens. The other thing we need to do, and I just, I just can't say this enough we have to listen to the to the word of God. Yeah. And we need we need to read it with the church. And, and again, I don't mean to be too hard on Pope Francis. Pope Francis has legitimate authority. He is the vicar of Christ on earth. His authority is 100% legitimate. And, I, you know, I have my things I wish he wouldn't do, but he's, I think, by and large, he's done a lot of really good things. Um, but it doesn't really matter either way. I owe him my obedience and my respect as a good son of the church. But I think, but, but my, my thing would be like, the bishops, we always joke, right? Like, they're just meeting these councils, and what they always do is like, oh, that was really great. Let's publish a letter. And the letter is usually 75 pages, and no one will ever read it except me and other nerdy priests. Totally. And and so I do think it would be like two things that need to happen. That's why I love, one of the reasons I love Bishop Barron. We've got to speak to the people of today. People today are not excited for encyclicals and apostolic exhortations. They're not. You know, I know you are. You're <laughs> like, oh, man, when's that next ap- apostolic exhortation coming? No. But I, I do wish Pope Francis, it would be great. We need to teach Catholics that not everything the Pope says over breakfast is Catholic dogma. Right. Or if he had a podcast and said, here's where my heart's at, here's where I think the Spirit's saying, that isn't Catholic dogma. But he is our Holy Father, and we do follow him, and we do respect him, and we listen to him. Um and I would love for him to do a podcast. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, but I think the other thing is no one is reading scripture. We got to do that. Right. Catholics out there, it's like everybody's reading, you know, Taylor Marshall or something. or Which which is a, um, among the Protestant crowd, is a knock on Catholics. Yeah. It's always the kind of go-to. It's like, you guys don't know scripture. It drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm like... And I, I do want for my fellow Catholics and really good Catholics. You know, I've been saying, I, I want to know, I feel right now I'm like resting on scripture and I want to like, I want to get back and be like, man, I want to know every single chapter. I want to have the, it just ingrained in me and I want scripture to be living inside of me. Uh, Colossians 3.16 says that, let the word of Christ and all its richness dwell in you. But um, my, my the simple point is, what are you listening to? What are we feeding our souls with? And I think we just need to have scripture speaking to us. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to learn Greek. There are, t- there are more resources available than ever, but we've got to let the word of God speak to us. What are some of the off the cusp for you? Because I do think that is, especially in my own journey, picking up and reading yeah. and just kind of going for it yep. is a lot different yes. than when I have a Bible study with you and then you're referencing somehow Colossians is related to Genesis and Genesis and all this crazy stuff that there's no way I would ever naturally pick up on that. Yeah. So I would, there's tons of great resources out there right now. One of the, one of the best books I can possibly recommend to someone, if you want to know the Bible and the story of the Bible as a whole, um, Tim Gray and Jeff Cavins have a book called walking with God. Okay. It is phenomenal. It's, it's mostly old Testament, but it's telling you the story of what God's doing and how it gets to Jesus Christ uh, and what Jesus did for us. Then another, anything Ted Tree writes is generally very good. Yeah. Ted has a book. Uh, I forget the new title of it. It used to be called mystery of the kingdom, but it's this, it's a book on Matthew. And if you look up Ted tree on Amazon or Edward tree, he's got, he's a easy read. These are easy reads and Ted's stuff is easy to read. It will build up your faith. You will be blown away by what you learn about the Word of God. So those are those are two just kind of easy starting books. Okay. So it's okay to have a guide with it because, uh, yeah, I feel like there's the pride thing slash, you know, I just want to get started and you kind of dive in and, 
you know, which yeah. is probably another topic at some point too of like, did people really live to be 900 and certain yeah, things? There's, interesting like, theories about that. there's a lot of, yeah. a lot of very interesting questions. Okay. Um, well, check out our, uh, send us an email. Uh, I always forget our email. Rant at lordsdenver.org. Rant Again, at Lordsdenver. Ryan for the shout out of. For the win. For anyone watching via YouTube today, we do have a YouTube channel that's now up and running. We're just, we're starting to crank it. It took us a little while to get out of the tech issues, but now we're, now we're starting to go for it. Yeah. I know. I got to. I feel like I'm developing a face for radio. That's right. Yeah. We, we got to get makeup now. Anyone out there wants to do makeup? Before We're not the doing show. makeup. Okay. Okay. Look, it might smear on your, on the all blacks. Right. Okay. Well, we will see you guys next time. Thanks for checking us out. God bless you. And we'll see you next time.